Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. I have to say that this is my 251st episode, and every time I hear the announcement at the beginning of the show, I smile because it's my son, and um, we started this show under a different name called Courageous Conversations, and he did it in a very funny accent, um, and now he, you know, he did this for me a couple of years ago when I rebranded to Last First Date Radio, and um, he's a sweet boy, so I just am smiling. Anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to Last First Date Radio. We are a featured show about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships in midlife. Every week I bring you in-depth interviews with top experts and cutting-edge authors in the field of dating and relationships. And today I'm so excited to be speaking with Relationship Health Coach and intuitive guide, Teresa Vargo. We're going to talk about how to get clarity about your ideal partner by looking at archetypes, archetypal roles. This is going to be very, very interesting and very helpful for all of you who really want to know how to attract in the right partner. So as a dating coach myself, I love helping women over 40 become more confident and have that healthy, lasting, loving relationship that they want. So please stop listening to all the bad dating advice out there that tells you you have to be fake in, in order to hook a guy, that you have to lose 10 pounds and one day you'll be perfect and um, you have to do tons of inner work in order to even go on a date. I mean, um, yes, it's important to do the inner work, but no. No, it's not about being perfect. It's actually about being authentically you. So embrace the you that you are. And um, we have a wonderful story actually on my Facebook group, which I invite you all to join. It's called Your Last First Date on Facebook. And it's for single women over 40. It's free and it's fabulous. We have about 1,000 women in there. And somebody recently posted something very much along the lines of what I just shared. She was always embarrassed about her laugh, and she said she feels that she laughs like a witch, and so she wouldn't even go to funny movies in public because she was embarrassed about the way she laughed. She was out with friends. They were having dinner together, and she was just letting loose, having fun, laughing hysterically, and there was a man nearby who loved her laugh. They connected They're in this amazing relationship now. He keeps telling her how lucky he is to have found her. And so what I love about this story is that she let it rip. (laughs) She let her... She let her freak flag fly. Like, you know, just embrace all the parts of you and you'll find the person who thinks that those so-called flaws that you think are holding you back from love are actually the secret to finding the one that you want. So let's uh, let's talk about being a woman of value because that's that's really what I stand for is helping women value themselves. And every week I share a tip on how to be a woman of value. This week's tip is lean back, create the space for a man to show up in your life. And I was on a date last night with a guy, and he's like, "Wow, these women—they just don't let us." be men. They don't let us know that they even want us in their lives. So please, 
make it clear when you're on a date that you actually want a man in your life, that, you know, it's not a needy thing. It's that, you know, having relationships is part of one of our basic core needs. And so if a man doesn't feel needed, he's going to feel emasculated and he's going to walk away. So even if your life is amazing, which I know it is, Make the space for a man to show up. Let him carry your bag. Let him open the door. Let him pay for your meal. Let him feel like a guy. All right, I'm probably going to get people who hate me for that statement, but that's okay. I really believe in it. So, again, please join my private Facebook group, Your Last First Date. And uh, if you would like a guide on the top ten reasons why men pull away or disappear and how you can finally turn that around and find epic love, go to my website, lastfirstdate.com, and sign up for my free guide. And now for our lovely guest today, Teresa Vargo. She is the founder and creator of The Art of Intimacy. She's a relationship health coach, an intuitive guide, and a spiritual advisor. She spent many years behind the camera photographing weddings and families that led her to the path of intimacy and sexuality and relationship health. A life of healing her own pain has left no stone unturned when it comes to emotional health and happiness. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Hi, good morning, Sandy. I have a big smile, too. (laughs) When you started your show off, you were saying, I had a big smile. It's so lovely to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And thank you for changing your schedule because we had a a little schedule issue. And um, Teresa is supposed to be my guest next week, but I'll be on a plane traveling in the air when I'm supposed to be taping the show so she was kind enough to change your schedule so thank perfect you perfect timing yeah oh i look yeah, good to today yeah thank you so so first let's mm-hmm. start with what i just ended with which is about healing your own pain so can you share your story with us about the pain that you had that led you to this work Yes, of course. Um, It's important that we heal our own pain and our own trauma in our bodies because like water attracts the same level, we're going to attract vibration to vibration. I work a lot with energies, and I watch when I coach people, I watch what they're holding on to. And at some point we have to make an acknowledgement of our pain so we can heal it. And then and how we heal it is we have to go in and we have to feel things. And sometimes we have to feel things deeply and learn to mourn or grieve our trauma. It gets literally, it gets embedded into our body and our cellular structure. So that's the first place I would suggest that you do is like, what are you holding on to? What are the stories you've been telling yourself about yourself? Um, And then once we start healing some of that pain, we can actually start reframing some of the old stories that got implanted. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the ways that I started out, uh, as a really young, young woman, I married a man who was chronically ill, and um, we ended up having two children together, and then he he passed away shortly after that. So there wasn't a lot of room for intimacy. It was really more about being a caretaker and a mother um, and nurturing him through through sickness. Um, and so I, I had never had a chance to really explore my own values around my intimacy, my sexuality. 
Um, because as an empath and as a nurturer, it was easy for me to choose people who needed caretaking, which is great mm-hmm. to be a caretaker, but that's, that's not a good formula for success in relationship. We don't want to become someone's caretaker um, when it comes to intimacy, connection, and especially uh, our sex, sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remarried uh, about eight years after to a man who was very uh, shut down around his sexuality. Like I said uh, at the beginning, you know, I vibration to vibration, I chose someone else who met my needs around being uh, a little bit shut down around my own sexuality. Um, and so we had a 10-year relationship with very little intimacy, with very no sex um, until one day in a training when I started this work, I woke up to the pain of that and it was like a, it was literally like a boulder just hit me and I I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had to go in and dive in and deal with my own uh, residents of pain. Um, And so the journey began and that it's been about eight years Um, and I dove deep and I dove deep into my, my own pain so I could shift and, and attract what I want now and who I am now. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned a few things that I think are really important for people to hear. First, that if you don't name it and look at it and do the work, you're going to keep repeating it. And, you know, people say the statistics for second marriages are so, you know, that the divorce rates are so high. And, and they, take, they, they make the wrong conclusion. They say, well, then you shouldn't get married again. And I say, no, you should do the work and don't keep marrying the same person right. with a different face. Um, and I think that's that right. if everybody did this work, the, the, the stats would, would change. Um, so that's, that's one thing. I think we need to learn the right, the right um, lessons from, the, from what happens to us and that we actually have so much control once we name it and understand it and understand how to heal that's from right. it. That's right, exactly. And so and and when we say do the work, it, it sometimes it, you know, some people depends on on your level of trauma or your pain or your karma or what you've come into this lifetime and evolution and what you're here to heal. Um and and one way we can look at that so it's not so daunting is that it's just part of your your path. It's part of your own personal evolution. It's not scary. Um, all healing is is feeling. That's all it is. Is we take a moment to feel something, and then we can create a new uh, residence with it. And and so it's uh-huh. not this big daunting uh, formula. We can you can actually set with the right guides and coaches and healers. You can really set it up for such beautiful success. Yeah, and it's it's actually joyful work. Um, I think you know people really, hear the word work, be. right? It's, mm-hmm. I, and yeah. I think you know people also think of relationships as work, like it's so much work. And and in the right relationship, it's it's energizing, it's exciting, yeah. and the person is a team member, not you doing all the heavy lifting, which is what happens. So I wanted to address the empath part of what you said. 
many, many empaths end up in codependent relationships. They end up in relationships where they're not getting their needs met. And this is something I just recently became more aware of, that these overdoers, these women who most of my practice and probably yours, um, women who took on the bulk of a relationship because they are empathic and because they are also really responsible, and it is a form of codependency. It's not healthy. It's not our job to carry the weight, you know. And I think that people need to understand that, that being a kind, giving person doesn't mean that you give without limits. It doesn't mean that you give without agreements, without somebody also doing the work, also coming towards That's you. Right. That's a big part of it. Well, I'm a big believer in boundaries now. Um, mm. Boundaries have, have saved me quite a bit from situations that I could have dove really deep into, but I listen to my intuition and I listen to my heart and I, and I say, no, I want to say yes, but if it's not a solid yes, um, I will not tread those waters. Um, and so, again, I had to install boundaries into my system where I lived a life with no boundaries, uh, everyone could come into my heart. Everyone, I could absorb pain. Um, so I'm not. So I was not only dealing with my own pain. I was. I was really taking on so many others. And mm-hmm. uh, so that took that took some time to really restructure that. Um, when I started dating again, yeah, yeah, totally hear you on that. Boundaries are my jam. I know. <laughs> Love I, I'm co-creating yeah. a program on boundaries that is I can't yeah. wait to release because we need boundaries. This has been like my, my biggest area of growth also since my divorce. All right, let's get into the topic because we could go off into this whole topic for another half hour. But let's talk about clarifying the qualities that a person should be looking for in, in a potential partner. How how can how can people do that? What's a good way to do that? Well, one of the ways I've learned to do it is understand what I value. So we have core values. um, And if we step out of those core values to accommodate someone else's needs, that won't work. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I identify what I value. What do I value in myself? And then what do I value in someone else? Um, So that's one way you can get really clear um, I call it like it's such a, a level of high emotional intelligence. Like get, get to know yourself so intimately that you no longer will step out of your, your core value system. And that really helps save you uh, from stepping into relationships that aren't healthy for you. Mm-hmm. So how, mm-hmm. how do you clarify values? Because a lot of people have no idea where to even start to do their own core well, value I list, work. Yeah. You know, and as I'm saying it, it's like, where do my value live Live in my body? I always defer to my body. I live very embodied. Um, I'm, I'm not a very heady person. Um, and most, most of our culture lives probably, you know, in their head or a foot above. So we're making decisions out of our body, and that won't work either. So drop in. And how we get into our body is we use our breath. And so breathe in and breathe in. And when we're talking about values, I'm feeling it right in my solar plexus. So that's where I'm going to drop into right now. And I'm going to ask myself, what are my core values? Um, I have a high value for um, integrity um, for myself and for others. I have a high value for being able to trust. Um, 
and I won't go into each one too specifically, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna read mm-hmm. off my values from where I'm feeling them. I have a high value for um, someone who's successful because that's I I feel successful, so I want someone to meet me in a value in that frame. Um, another value would be I have a high value for self care. Um, mm. I have a high value for um, intelligence. So, so start to identify those values. And usually you can identify five or six pretty quickly. And we have a lot, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're multidimensional um, human beings. So, but you, you, they're going to quickly reveal themselves to you as soon as you can start asking those powerful questions. What do I value? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then I think it's easier to mm-hmm. see them in others, and those are usually present in yourself as well. I mean, That's right. you know, hopefully what you're seeking is something you are. You know, I really believe that we need to be be the love we wish to find in the world. So if you yeah. want somebody who's intelligent, you know, make sure you're growing your brain and you're doing things that excite your, your intelligence and um but yeah, that's that's a great exercise to do with the breaths. Um so let's talk so let's about ask archetypal you for a roles. moment. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanna ask you, what do you give me give me two of your values, Sandy. What um, do you value? I value, so when you said success, it was not something I had ever named, but last night I was on a date with somebody who is Mm -hmm. extremely um, self-motivated, and I am too, and it's a really strong value of mine to, um, to, to, yeah, to really push yourself to grow past any kind of challenges, Um, and I think also um, really growing from challenges, like growing from crisis. Um, and I'll, I'll just do one more that's related to crisis, which is to show up. Um, really to show up for people at the right times when somebody needs you, that you have that priority, that you're there. That's not You're not making Beautiful. excuses, but you totally show up. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and I think, you know, what you refine your values as you go, too. Like in our coaching program, we had something called value strings, which was um, we would list our core values, and then we would list all the words associated with that value. So that was the string. So creativity might be a value for someone, but that might be musically related for somebody, and it might be artistic or, uh, artistic or writing or you know, it could be something completely different. So what, what it is to us is also really important. That's right. Yeah, it can only come from us. You know, we can't mm-hmm. project our values onto someone else. And, and that's where relationships start to fall apart is when um, we start to project our values onto someone else who doesn't have, that's not their reality. So, yeah. um, so we can name it. And then, and then we can move on with grace if that person's not serving our needs. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Sometimes and that's, where the, that's where the boundaries <laughs> come in, right? Like, so that's you right. say, you know what, yeah. I'm looking for somebody who has this, and, um, you know, and I wish you well. Like, I, I can't change you, and you can't change me. Let's go. Bye. <laughs> it's, like, so easy when you exactly. figure that part out. I know, um, right? Yeah, I recently, a little bit I, less yeah. Pain, like, painful. Yeah. So much less painful. Like, you know, in the past, I would have been waiting for a guy to come around because he was so busy at work. I had this experience a couple months ago. Really great guy, but wasn't making time for a relationship. And I 
you know, mm-hmm. and he was forgetting that he made plans with me, and I'm that's not going to work for me. And I, I let him know, and he apologized profusely, and I said, I forgive you, but I really can't be in relationship with you because I'm looking for somebody who prioritizes relationship over work. At this time, it seems like your work is your priority. Good luck. Bye-bye. That's, that's <laughs> right. And, and, and more importantly, you're, you don't need to be in relationship with that behavior. Um, mm-hmm. And that way it takes the pressure off that person. And, and not, we don't want to shame the other person for their behavior. They're, they're doing what they do. And it's up to us to either dance with that or not. Um, so, so I've let people off the hook. That's who you are. That's great. And, and, but I'm looking for something a little bit different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not painful if somebody can really hear you, um, cause you're not trying to change the other person. This is a message I give my children all the time. My younger daughter is mm-hmm. always so frustrated that this person just did this horrible thing. And my professor is just such a jerk and, and I always point mm-hmm. back to what can you do? Like this part's not in your control. What is? You know, it's always good to look at like, yeah. <laughs> well, the moment, yeah, and the moment I go into that victim or martyr role, I have to, I, I identify it like, wow, I'm, I'm running victim energy right now. What's my role? What did I just participate in that I feel victimized? Well, I participated mm-hmm. in into saying yes to something that didn't align with my values. So now, and we all run victim and martyr energy. It's not like we're victim or martyrs. We just, we have, we have access to all the different energies um, in, in the field that we can run at any given moment. Um, and that, and that kind of leads into the archetypal roles. Mm-hmm. So, Let's talk about that. And, and I love what great. you said about the victim martyr thing, because Yep. Many of us have been stuck there, and, and when you evolve, you can still slip back. And so it's like taking that breath and moment to say, okay, what's happening here, and how can I get back into my strength and my inner power? Um, so let's, yeah, let's talk about archetypal roles and what roles do they play in dating, and how can they help with the dating process? Yeah. Oh my God. It's my favorite one. I (laughs) love dating from, I do. I love dating from my archetypal world, especially when I was learning about um, my sexuality, I would say, okay, I'm going to, I'm not looking for my partner, but I'm going to date from a place of getting to know myself sexually. So I would invite in um, an archetypal role of a playmate or the archetypal role of a goddess. Um, And I would attract from that. And I would play in that knowing exactly where I'm at. So it wasn't confusing for whoever I was playing with. I would simply say, and I do this too, now I'm probably a little bit more advanced person to date because I'm very open and very transparent. So a lot of guys don't know what to do with that. But (laughs) so I I date guys who have a little bit of an idea. Um, mm-hmm. So identify what it is that you are, you're here to, to learn about yourself, or if you're just getting back there, you're just getting back out on the dating scene, and you want to get to know yourself in a certain certain way. Like, I want to be a playmate. I want to date from a place of um, uh, a character, whatever, whatever it is for you. Identify her and date from that place. And then you're always in your power. You can always you can stand in your power and really own um, that gift of getting to know yourself 
more intimately in that role. And how that plays out in, in some of our healing is that we get a chance to play with our archetypal roles, whatever it is, um, and, I'll, and I'll keep it rated PG. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that we can actually heal. It's actually a great healing tool. Um, because if, if, I don't know about you, Sandy, but I have always run a lot of sexual energy. Even It's just who I am because I live so embodied. Um, I, I run a lot of life force energy in my body. And how that got portrayed even in my family of origins was uh, you're promiscuous. You're, you're a slut. You're, mm. um, you know, you're not safe. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how that created so much shame for me growing up. Um, I wasn't allowed to be who I wanted to be. And that was mm. a big part of my healing when I got to dive in and go, I'm not a slut. I just run a lot of juicy energy and I don't want anybody labeling me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't be shamed for having this amazing life force energy in my body. Um, and then, and then how, and then once I was able to heal some of that, I can now manage the energy levels that, that I ran, um, in my body. Um, so if I was going to play in an archetypal role of desire, I, I would know how to, to raise that energy from that place. Um, so that way it was a little bit more, um, in, in a way almost contained, like, it gave it an intelligence that I could navigate through the world and relationships in a, in a much more safer way for me um, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about making someone else feel safe. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I love that because you went into these relationships that um, were a response to the labels, you know, suppressing sexual energy that's probably right. because you thought that's that right. was the right thing to do, right? That was safer mm-hmm. because that's what people expected of you. And it was all that shaming, like what they slut shaming, you know, all that, that stuff that people label others. They want to keep that's them in a right. box. And I, and, and, and just, and my, my, oops, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, just continue. I, I'm, I well, I was going to say, say. And my sexuality got so suppressed, you know, mm-hmm. my, I got I had so much shame to heal. It was it was years of really peeling back so many layers. Um mm. until I found her. Until I found her. And I, I was like and, and now I can protect her and hold her and no one's allowed to shame you for who you are. Mm mm. And when you embrace you, like I talked about at the beginning of the show with the woman who said her laughter was like a witch, finding the guy who loves a a witch laughter. <laughs> Or whatever, it's probably not yeah. even what the witch laughter, you know, that's what somebody else named it. But it's, um, I'm actually in in a contest right now for Toastmasters, a speech contest, and it's called Labeled. And, um, yes. and it's exactly this story. It's all the labels that were placed on me from very young age. I remember at eight, I was called shy. And it was really, I was afraid to speak up because I was shamed for having an accent. Mm -hmm. I I was from Atlanta and I moved to New Jersey and people would make fun of me when I read out loud and so I just got quiet. And that label stayed with me for 40 years. I hid. 
And this whole process is like freeing the labels and saying, you know what, thank you for keeping me safe and I don't need you anymore. Goodbye. And I always tell tell people, keep your label maker to yourself. And it's funny because, and, you know, in the, a funny metaphor, my ex-husband had three label makers. <laughs> he labeled oh. everything. And I was like, and then I, and then I, when I woke up to how he was labeling me, I was like, oh, my God, get that label maker away from me. <laughs> you mean like a physical, like the ones that they he used to type out? He had three physical label yeah, makers. hysterical. <laughs> um, but this is so important. So I just want to, um, because we're running out of time, and this is such a juicy conversation, I, I really love talking to you. Um, so the, the ones that you had shared um, with me earlier are um, some of the ones here that I have, are lover, playmate, friend, boyfriend, partner, life partner, goddess. Um, do you want to add anything to that list? Well, I mean, again, I'm going to keep it pe- PG, but um, I think that's a really great place to start with some of those and then expand on that. The more comfortable you get in your body and you start peeling away the, the layers of labels, um, you can you can play with whoever you want. Um, and again, that, that, that means dropping into your body, dropping into your needs. Like you're, It's okay to have your needs met no matter mm-hmm. what you're playing in. Um, yeah, and it's very freeing, and it's very, very healing. Yeah, I, I think that you know when when you embrace all of you and your needs, and know that your needs are not needy, but they're needs. They're they're part of how you operate. Then then you just live from a much more joyous place. And um, you, I go ahead. <laughs> no, that's right, and and not only joyous, but you get to live in your light. You get to live in your light, your your soul's purpose. You get to um, walk this beautiful earth in grace and in pure residence of who you are, who you have always been meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. Without all the disguises or the masks, you get to really just be who you want to be, and that, I think that's the work. Um, mm-hmm. And. And again, and when I when I got a taste of that freedom, I I don't allow anyone to put me back in a place or a feeling of feeling suffocated that I can't be whoever I want to be. Um, mm. I yeah. love this. This is such a great conversation. And yeah. actually, the light is is that's exactly the metaphor I use throughout my speech is that that my inner spark started to diminish from a very young age and I had to bring the light yes. back by reconnecting to that the spirit of that confident little girl who she was before the layers, before the labels. And I think That's it's, right. a lot of this is about um, becoming. It's about taking off everything that everybody else expected of you and really identifying what you need and who you are, which is amazing and and it does let you live in that light. It's beautiful the way you said it. Ah, uh, thank you. Well, so. it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of vulnerability to to do that. Um, and, you know, I think if we can invite anything into our world today, it's more people to invite them to step into that courage and transparency and vulnerability um, because we are wearing a lot of disguises um, because connecting isn't hasn't been that safe. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so when you realize that what felt safe is actually keeping you small, 
and limited. Um, And that taking risks is part of what love is all about. You have to open your heart. You have to, otherwise Mm. you you will have what we ended up with in our marriages, um, which isn't very satisfying. It feels safe in the beginning maybe, but it's not at all. Ah, so mm, Teresa Fargo, thank you. Yes. <laughs> this has been a delight. Um, can you share with our audience how they can find you? Yes. Well, right now you can find me through Facebook um, and social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, my website is in construction. I'm doing a big upgrade uh, with some new offerings, uh, including a young women's mentorship program. Um, so. Under Facebook, Teresa Vargo, a relationship health coach. Um, and I also have a, a new photography page on there, with including um, intimate uh, teaching people how to see themselves through photography and uh, teaching erotic imagery. So um, mm. that's, a, that's a new offering as well. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, no. if you send me like your, all your social contacts, I'll, I'll stick those in my show notes when I post the blog for this. I will. Thank you, Sandy, so much. It was so fun to be here. It went by too fast. I know. I'm going to have to have you back for something. So I will be in touch with you. And, you know, thank you so much again. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. (laughs) Many blessings. Bye-bye.